1: Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with
0: Viator. All right, Sixers fans, what can I say, right? You know, tough loss to the Milwaukee Bucks earlier this week, 118, 116 at the crib. Couldn't finish it off against the Bucks. I have a special guest and it's somebody that I have Corresponded with before in talks about the Milwaukee Bucks as they pertain to our hometown Sixers and where they stand in the Eastern Conference and this epic, epic clash that both myself and my guests want for, you know, just life in general. Like, I feel like we all need a Sixers Bucks playoff matchup. Like, we need it. We need another one. We need another one. And uh, Riley Feldman of Brew Hoop has joined me today on the podcast. Uh, it's after a Bucks win, so I don't know how uh, cordial or obnoxious he's going to be, but we're going to find out. Riley, how you doing? Uh,
1: Adio, I'm doing great. Uh, you're right. It's it's the I'm doing really well actually. Besides just the victory, I'm doing good. Otherwise, um, you're uh-huh. right that it's the it's the people's playoff series. It's the thing that. Nobody besides maybe R2 fan bases have been clamoring for, but ever since the depths of the process and Giannis's early years, um, it was, I think last time I was on the podcast, I said it's the like loser fraud franchise off, like yes, biggest loser fraud franchise leaves town, whoever. So unfortunately, you know, not to you know, bling ourselves out too much. Now that we want a title, it's less loser fraudy for us, but I'm willing to go back and to the And yet you're days. going to do it anyway. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So uh, I'm excited. Uh, if that's something that happens, I think it's it's something I've been looking forward to uh, for a long time. One of our, our co-managing editor at BrewHoop, Adam, uh, he lives in Philly. So we always get some good Philly intel from him. Um, so it's, for us, it's personal, uh, but in either regard, uh, happy to be back on. Thanks for having me back on.
0: How dare you send spies into our midst? What, what is that? I know,
1: I know. He's he always he has to be the lone voice every time the team comes into town. Uh, he's you know obviously he doesn't get back to Milwaukee all that often, so um, we're happy to have him out there to give us the eyes and the ears. And you know some of the stories he says or gives us on the podcasts, I think Philly fandom is obviously renowned for how scary passion it is. I mean, it's like, it's on different levels. We just, it's unbelievable some of the stories he tells. So uh, I'm glad that I get to run into you at least It's a little more, <laughs> you know, level-headed, I, I guess, I, of fan, I'm
0: way more even keeled than like the majority of the fan base. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah, I know. That's I, I felt bad last night. Not too bad, but last night after the win, uh, retweeting some of who I assume was maybe your worst examples of sports media figures in the market. Yeah, my, like some my, of the takes. I'm like, man, it's this is, this is <laughs> extra over the top for sure.
0: My arch nemesis, Mr. Elliot Shore Parks. Yeah, I can't. <laughs> I can't stand that guy. We, we've we been we've been at odds for about a decade. He he doesn't know who I am, but that's fine. I don't care. It can be a one sided uh, rivalry. That's fine. Those, I'm okay those with are that. the best kinds of They're rivalries. The best you,
1: yeah, you're the only one who knows that it's a rivalry. Exactly. But you to stew on it. Yeah, those are fun.
0: Uh, so real quick to start. Let, last night's immediate takeaways from from both sides, like as you saw, like as a Bucks. Uh, as somebody that covers the Bucks, as somebody that loves the NBA, like what were some of the takeaways from uh, the Sixers Bucks game? Uh, it was a rock fight at yeah. times, but I, th- <laughs> I thought
1: I thought in in a lot of ways it's a real shame. We were talking on our side; I'm sure you guys were as well. That this was just on local TV. This should have been a national game. It had. Back and forth, the Bucks come out scorching in the first quarter, second and third quarter, the the Philly starts to take over. It's kind of a dead heat in the third quarter. And then that fourth, the like interplay between uh, whatever checkers or chess doc was playing with the lineups. And then the Bucks slowly working their way back in Um, just like immediate takeaways right after the game, this this particular matchup is totally different with Brooke Lopez out there. Uh, I know we're going to talk a little bit more about him in yeah. depth, but the matchup between him and Joel Embiid, especially on the defensive end when Brooke is guarding Joel, obviously there's, very few people who are equipped to slow joel down i think he started the game one of eight from the floor yeah and part of that is um just brooks physicality i would have hated had we had to go with um say for example bobby portis who racked up like three fouls in his three minutes he was on the floor or we acquired. Yeah, i was serge like please Ibaka. give me
0: more bobby portis yeah give me i know more of I know. that
1: well and that's why we acquired serge baka at the deadline but even then having watched serge play for like you know, three or four weeks now, he's a strong guy, but you just, you can see the two of them. There's a physical difference with Brooke. He's a lot heftier. Um, And in general, his, like the secret to him being so successful at the bucks is the fact that he's able to do this drop zone scheme at such a high level. And I thought last night, of everybody right. that really shined, I thought this was the Brooke Lopez since he's returned about a week and a half ago. This was his signature performance. So that was for me big sign. Uh, and then the the only other thing for us is this Bucks team, the way that they're able to execute on both ends of the floor at the end of the game, the intensity of the defense, you know, say for example, uh that very final possession or the second to last possession you guys had where they tried to do the James Harden Drew, uh, Joel Embiid two man game and it right. just it's Drew at Drew Holiday and Brooke Lopez totally shut it down beautiful sequence from them and then every time down on the floor Drew Holiday Chris Middleton Giannis Adebayo three guys they're going to just generate decent looks almost as a rule so I, I just thought there was a lot if you're a Bucks fan of like okay we have our crappy second third quarter that's annoying we do some like Some idiotic stuff, but when it matters most, so long as we can maintain contact, they play at such a high level that it's like, you know, we're just a tough squad to beat was the main thing that I took away from our side, at least.
0: So I I will ask one simple question, and uh, I, I want you to be honest, that last play of the game was that clean block. Oh, you, can of you can admit Come on. You can admit if it wasn't. It's fine. No, no,
1: <laughs> never. I thought I. It was so close. I mean, it I understand was. why they why they called it a goaltend right away because it was so. I mean, so bang bang. It was two guys um who both knew exactly what their assignment was like and bead gathers off of i don't know was it an air ball from harden or was it no, did it kind of graze I, the rim
0: it kind of grazed the rim a little bit it wasn't I a
1: great shot i don't <laughs> it was a great shot i would
0: i would preferred joel just go up strong just like two hand thunder dunk that thing because yeah, like yeah. worst comes to worst like maybe you get a foul called on you but like yeah. that little bunny layup i i knew that was problem
1: yeah, I think he probably felt, I mean, I don't know, split second, he gets the ball. He's like, oh, crap, I just got to get it back up. It was really, you right. Know, I think he made an okay choice given the situation. It was just that Giannis also knew he was like, I just got to go right up for it. Um, so I don't think it was a, a, a goal 10, but it was pretty close. I mean, it was a bang. It's as close as the call as you have to make. And then Unfortunately for you guys, because they messed it up and had to go back and fix it. You got (laughs) pushed out to midcourt so you couldn't even get a uh, shot back up. So the uh, refing gods were on our side on that very final possession.
0: But it was so close. This is the main takeaway that I took away from uh, that game. And it came when I looked at like the stat sheets. So field goals, bucks, 50%. Sixers 48.3 three pointers, Bucks 36.8, Sixers 39%, free throws 69.6, Sixers 77.8, and going down and down the line, just like close here assists 28 to 26, Sixers, steals, blocks, everything is within like one or two yeah. uh, items. That's what I took away. These two teams are so damn close, it's ridiculous, yeah. and I a seven game series between these two teams, regardless of when it happens, is basically must-watch television.
1: It's it's the tension is so high. Like yeah. there's already there's already the rivalry between the two franchises. I've only been following the Bucks for like the past 10 to 15 years. Um, but I know that the two franchises from like back in the 70s onward <laughs> have always had a rivalry for being atop the east. So you got that kind of juice, you got the fact that Um, you know, you have a lot of stars that are going to be getting time out there. And then what's probably what makes it the most fun is that each team has role players who, when they get going, I mean, you're like, how am I supposed to stop this guy? So like, you know, for us all year it has been Bobby Porter's or Pat Connaughton coming off the bench for you guys it has been like, you know, Maxie or if Tobias Harris has a good game, like there's just all these role guys beyond that. So like so many teams in the league, when you're thinking of how are we going to shut them down? You're like, well, of course we're going to try and corral James Harden, Joel Embiid. Then it's that second, third tier guy. The quality of those can be a difference maker in series, especially if it goes seven games, like who can we get one to two good games out of? And both teams here have plenty of guys that you're like, well, maybe it'll, you know, things might work their way and they'll end up being a key guy, um, even if just for that one game. So that's probably uh, what makes it most exciting is like two really good teams with good rosters and uh they do enough dumb stuff to yeah. make it interesting between the two teams uh so it's not like a foregone conclusion like oh the bucks are going to execute at such a high level the entire game or the sixers are going to execute at such a high level the entire game so there's enough dumb in there as well to yeah. keep it interesting so there's a lot about it though and to, to like, and it's just chaos. It's, that's what it is. It's just organized chaos.
0: Riley, I'm just going to point this out to you. And it will explain why I have little faith in the Sixers to close out the Bucks in a seven game six, uh, series. Uh, you have Brooke Lopez and Serge Ibaka and Bobby Portis that you can throw on the front court. We have yeah. Joel Embiid and Paul Millsap. See, that's that's kind of where I'm just like, okay, yeah, I'm. I'm not feeling good about things when Joel has to sit.
1: Oh, don't come on! Don't talk down. You almost had Paul Reed too. Per per doc, he almost went with Paul Reed uh, or something. Forget like the this. almost. Him.
0: Put him in. Jesus, we're tired <laughs> of this. Um, quick focus on the role plays, but now let's go to the the stars. Um, Embiid, Harden. Now that you've seen these two like close up against your Milwaukee Bucks, um, frightened a little bit, May- maybe a little bit of uh okay, maybe we can't take these guys in a seven game series if Embiid and Harden are particularly on that series.
1: Now, to me, that's that's a really good question because. You saw this, and I would suggest Sixers fans, if you, you know, if we end up seeing each other in the playoffs, go back and watch a couple of our games because the one great weakness that we've had most of the season, and even in the Brook Lopez years, is a team that has a really good pick and roll pairing, which you guys obviously have by far one of the best teams. Who can I, I, I feel really like we're pretty
0: good at that. I feel yeah, like we I have think, something I think for you're, that you
1: guys. You, I mean, you guys ran that and being hard and pick and roll, you just spammed it over and over and over again. in the first half, especially And it, we just didn't really have anything for it because right now our defense is, uh, we don't know whether to like hard charge at the point of attack or like really fight over a screen to like, stay with the ball handler. And even then, even if we do, those two guys are so adept at manipulating space between each other. Um, obviously both really good at attacking the rim, um, can do like floaters and stuff. If they're on their game in that regard, and then obviously Harden is able to like, they can both shoot it from like three. Harden more than Embiid, but if they're on top of that, that's what would probably get me worried. The one thing that I would say against you guys is, uh, you know, no offense, but Paul those guys, minutes. no, well, not Milstead minutes, but for for Joel Embiid and James Harden, they create for others, but it does seem a little like stay it a little bit. So it like when it gets to their hands for obvious reasons, like why they would be the ones who do most of the creating, but a lot of the guys around are like, okay, what are they doing on offense? Like nobody's doing anything. We're just doing the, the watch these guys. And you know, to to your guys' credit, watching them work, works a lot of the time, but over the course of a series, how hard can you ride that really? If the offense starts kind of becoming very one directional, like this is, these are, ends up in their hands doesn't do anything past that so that's the one thing that gives me a little bit of hope of if it kind of gets one directional we could probably survive that between just those two guys
0: riley honestly i since the Harden trade i have no idea what the hell is wrong with tobias harris so please don't ask me i have no effing idea he's being asked to do a lot more catch and shooting which is not necessarily his thing like he's decent enough at it but he's not somebody where you're just like okay Tobias is open. Let's just chuck it to him and just see what happens. Like, yeah, sure. Hopefully he makes it, but you know, I'm not. He's been. Tobias is very streaky. He has been since he got here. So I now throwing Harden into the mix, and then his having to kind of rework what he's responsible for on the offensive end. He's still trying to figure it out, and I, I don't like that going into the playoffs.
1: I feel the same way too with Tyrese Maxey. So obviously the guy has jets for days. Uh, he, he, he really got, I think he got Wes Matthews in the open court. And then you tweeted at me and Kyle, which was deserve it because Wes had nothing for him. When you see James Harden, and maybe you'll be able to speak to this more than I would be able to, when James Harden is the one slow walking the ball up the court, uh, like Tyrese doesn't really have a lot to do. It's like, okay, I'll go hang out on, on the perimeter over here. Yeah. And then what? So that would be something else I'd be a little concerned about is like, you know, for a guy as young as Tyrese, obviously he can s- stand up to the moment, but how consistently would he be able to go from, okay, I'm totally cold, not involved in the offense right now to, all right, now I need to get going or how does he get involved? So that's probably not, they could probably work it out over the course of a season, but right now with pretty short time period. And I think I read somewhere that doc had a heart to heart with James and said, we need more isolation ball, which oh god that's that's a choice that's a choice for sure but that's always all right it is a choice so that's the one thing I would be worried about for you guys is like how like what is the offense these new roles these guys have where whereas during the entire season Tyrese Maxey is like we've given him the ball a lot Tobias Harris he has like you know a, a more flexible role that's probably the one concern for you guys if you know as an outside observer just based off of the one game we played
0: That's an interesting point that you bring up about uh, Harden's walking it up the floor and Maxie, not really knowing what the heck to do in that instance. Like, I feel like there should be uh, some taking turns a little bit. Like if both (laughs) of them are on the floor, whoever grabs the rebound, like Maxie gets a turn and then he just pushes up the floor. And if nothing opens up, sure. Kick it back to Harden and then reset. yeah. 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 Like let's do that. Like more wrinkles, all the wrinkles. Um, a lot of wrinkles in Giannis's game, had 40 and 14 in that game. And I don't know about you, but that seemed a, that seemed like a very easy 40 points. Mm-hmm. I'm like, good <laughs> Lord. Like, can we get somebody in Giannis's way for like a couple possessions? Like, Jesus. Like, he was just sitting there in the paint, like mostly, either half the time or the other half of the time. He was just like, go into the lane with reckless abandon, and everybody's doing the Olay defense. I'm like, what is happening?
1: Nobody wants to nobody wants to stand in there and really earn a charge, which I you know, given the I'm way Giannis sure, is built, I can't I blame him. <laughs> yeah, I, it it's, just looked uh, really
0: easy to me. And like that's not exactly something that's encouraging when he, I have to made, when I have to see this kid at least four he, times in a playoff series.
1: He um he makes it look easy against a lot of teams, so you shouldn't take that as a bad thing. There are so many times where we're on our podcast or just as the staff, we're like, wow. I just looked and Giannis has like 36 he has 38 and it's like I would have never guessed. He just it his positioning in the open courts, uh the turnaround jumpers he's got. He no longer does the thing or not as much I should say. He doesn't have what some have called dark Giannis energy where it's yeah. like, look, I'm just I'm just going to force the issue and you would have recalled or anybody would recall like two or three seasons ago the guy was a charge machine. Like yeah. he he was racking them up left and right because so much of it was like, look, I don't trust the rest of my teammates. Eric Bledsoe is my point guard. So I just have to kind of create for myself. And that forced him to do a lot of like lower the shoulder and just try to make it happen. And nowadays he just seems to be on a different level in terms of his understanding of what his body positioning is, his moves And like I said, also in the open court, I think if he sees an opportunity in transition, it's like, look, either Paul Millsap, God bless him, but Paul Millsap. No,
0: don't God bless Paul Millsap. Or,
1: or Joel Embiid (laughs) is like out here on the perimeter trying to shadow me. I'm just going to like, run past them yeah and then if that's the case then it's like okay danny green are you willing to get in there and die for the team right now because that's what you're <laughs> gonna have to do like, to draw the contact and you know that's just a tough decision for anybody to make and that's that's why Yanis makes it look easy because he has gotten to the point where he's not forcing the issue as much anymore And he used to always get like easy buckets, like putbacks, dunks, things like that. But he's just the recognition is on a different level for him ever since I would say probably the finals of last year. um, I I think he's a changed player in terms of his belief and knowing what he can do and pull out from his quote unquote bag uh, when Mm. necessary. So uh, it looked easy. It probably was not easy, but this Mm. is something that happens a lot with him. So don't, don't, don't take it personally for you guys necessarily.
0: Fair. Uh, your colleague on the podcast, Kyle, uh, he, he tweeted something and then it happened during the game. If Chris Middleton is on, it's over for everybody. I'm like, yeah, that, that third quarter. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 I get his point. <laughs> um, Chris Middleton has always been I, I don't want to say like underappreciated. But I, I feel like that's the right word because he's been sticking it out in Milwaukee for the longest time. There yep. was a period where I was hoping that the Sixers could steal him away during free agency, <laughs> but that didn't happen. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm very much on the record as saying, yeah, give that man whatever the hell he wants. Um, but Middleton, I, I agree. If he's on, that just adds a whole other dimension to the Bucks offense who are very much still – kind of live by the three die by the three and then get your 40 or whatever from Giannis. Like, does that, yeah. is that accurate?
1: I would say so. So drew is drew holidays, the one different guy and we're a little bit different now that Brooke is back. But for the most part, yes, it would be like Bobby's out on the perimeter, Wes Matthews or Grayson Allen is on the perimeter. Uh, and then Chris and Giannis Chris, when he is on, um, he brings a different dimension just because he then is the best isolation scorer on the team for sure. Like his bevy of moves, his recognition. Uh, The main issue is he's probably had a bit of a down year for him. Uh, Percentages are okay, but uh, he's been asked to do a lot of like playmaking and he's just not that skilled at it. He's okay. He'll make like a really tough, like pretty pass, but he will turn it over quite a bit. Right. Um, And the way that I look at it is actually the pecking order is Giannis most important, most reliable. Drew is probably the second most important player on the team offensively. And then Chris is number three, because if Chris is having an off night, it's either cold shooting or he's just not shooting, which is a problem we've had with him for a while, Right, Uh, or he's turning it over a little bit, but it's not, He's not necessarily the primary ball handler, but yes, if he gets going, he's totally capable of carrying the offense for a quarter, a quarter and a half for even to like a full half if he needs to. Uh, It's pretty rare that he's done that these days, but he's, he's totally capable of like giving you nine points in a row just to break a streak for the Bucks. So he is
0: critical if he gets going. And I thought going back to a little bit about like the depth in the shooting, like I thought not having Dante DiVincenzo was going to be a serious problem for the Bucks, like going forward with, in terms of like, who not is going to take not some of these minutes.
1: Not even a little and, bit. And
0: now just like, you, you guys have like recreated Grayson Allen's career. And I'm like, you sons of, damn it. I hate, I hate your player development people. I hate all of them. Yeah, no,
1: uh, Dante, Dante was in a weird spot because he had had all these feet injuries and then an ankle injury. He was coming back from, him. he was never a good three point shooter. Um, you know, don't tell Adam this because he's a big Dante guy, but I've How been on the you. off, I've been off the Dante train for a couple of years now, so I was. I'm gonna have to waiting. cut this
0: part out for all the Villanova fans <laughs> that might be listening so, to this. Podcast. Oh, yeah,
1: I'm sorry, I keep forgetting. Sorry, sorry, Villanova fans. He's so fine. fine, he's, he's fine, but he's just fine. He, <laughs> for for what we needed in our, sp- I mean, Villanova fans will know he's he's a guy who does a little bit of everything, and that's a, a guy who can be useful for certain teams. But for a team like us, who's like you're going to be a bench guard, we need you to do like one thing really well. Uh, that yeah. wasn't necessarily a thing that he did at a super high level. Um, he fit way better as a starter, and ever since he got moved back to the bench with the injuries and stuff, it just didn't make sense for us. So yeah, uh, so that that is fair of you to have pointed that out, be like, Oh, there's this concern. Um, but I think the things that have solved for that are yes, Grayson Allen, he's come in, he's played really well. Um, it was interesting that he got benched last night. I'm not sure if that's a permanent move or if that was a one-off from uh, coach Budenholzer. And then the other guy that I should point out is Javon, Carter, who Javon He didn't get any minutes last night, but he has played out of his mind since he came to Milwaukee. I think he's shooting like 57% from three since he showed up.
0: He really Um, has, too. And I'm just like, where did this
1: kid come from? Watching Bucks
0: games. I'm like, who is this guy? (laughs) What is this?
1: Oh, that's what I thought, too. He got cut from the Nets and then we picked him up and then he's just been great. So he's only 6'1". So his main issue in this uh, Sixers series would be he's way too small to like guard James Harden consistently even though he's the best point of attack defender of a pick and roll guy that we have on the roster so I don't know if he would even have a place in the Sixers series but in terms of keeping the winning ways even though Dante is gone he's come in been the defensive guy like we've gotten good minutes guard minutes from a lot of different guys that help fill that in And I think that's why we probably look our best as of the past month or so than we have the entire rest of the season.
0: All right, so Riley Feldman is on with me. It's the Out of Sight Podcast and the Liberty Bowlers Podcast Network. Uh, We're going to take a quick break and then we're going to do some landscape checking. We're going to do some stuff about the Eastern Conference and then we're going to talk about the MVP race a little bit because we both have some skin in this game. So we will be right back after a word from our sponsors. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, Once again, it's the Out of Sight Podcast on the Liberty Ballers Podcast Network. I'm your host, D.O. Royster. Chill ride, chill vibes, as always. Talking Bucks Sixers with Riley Feldman of Brew Hoop. We talked about the game that went down earlier in the week. And now we're doing some landscape checking. Let's start with this. Um, Who's the MVP? And if it's not Joel or Giannis, uh, who is it? Uh...
1: It's got to be I don't know. You're <laughs> I mean, right you that can, I, ha- you I have too much skin in the game. You can just you can just say it's one of it's those one two of guys. It's one it's one of those two guys. I have an idea in my mind who I think is the MVP <laughs> well, Go ahead I, have and say it. I have a feeling I have a
0: feeling that you have an idea in your mind who you think. Riley, just go ahead and say it, man. It's fine fine right. you can say Nikola Jokic on this podcast it's okay <laughs> he who right. shall not
1: be named so long as we don't talk about him he can't win <laughs> the MVP that's the <laughs> way I've been going about it too uh, I think so in all seriousness obviously a super biased Bucks fan I think Giannis is the most deserving but all three guys who have been in the conversation between him Jokic and Embiid I think they're all like super deserving this is one of those seasons where who, no matter who wins it, I think all three will have been deserving. There's no shame in having the guy who won it. Um, it. It really comes down to like different. It, it, it depends on who comes through as like a narrative voter because you look at like Embiid's case and it's like okay, he he ups his usage rate, he ups his assist percentage, he has to carry the team while Ben Simmons sits out. Um, he has to. Speaking like, of who shall out not be man. named on this, podcast. yeah. Sorry, uh, my bad. Uh, you can blank <laughs> that out. You can bleep it. They know what I'm talking about. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, so he he like carries them. Giannis has had like another great season, and the Bucks are pretty close be- between them. The Sixers, a lot of different teams at the very top of the East, and then Jokic obviously having to carry the Nuggets without like Michael Porter Jr. Jamal Murray all season long, and all three guys like the stats are excellent for all three of them so I'm personally biased to Giannis for a lot of different reasons but if if Embiid or Jokic won it I really you know I'm not going to be super upset about it and I don't think Giannis would be either it doesn't seem like it's to him the biggest deal in the world but he also plays it cool as a cucumber a lot of the time so maybe he does care I don't know
0: I I think what you said about like there's three well-deserving individuals for this award this year which I don't think that's happened in a while and I I do agree with you that like Giannis definitely has his case to make. Jokic has his case. Embiid certainly has his case. Like all of the all of the advanced stat nerds are going to love Jokic for MVP. The the back this this is
1: an advanced stat nerd free podcast right here. You heard it here. No, it's not, folks. No, No, not not. (laughs) no,
0: no. I love advanced stat nerds. Like I've said it before, and I'll say it like numerous times um there are nights where you know Jokic is the best center in the NBA and I am okay admitting that to myself um but when it comes to Embiid and this uh this list of characters up for the award I really think it's going to come down to something as simple as seeding like where each of these guys land when it's all said and done
1: no I agree I think you know, it, for Jokic, if he, if his team ends up in a play-in spot, I mean, you know, that, that won't be fully his, his fault, but I think that'll be maybe a big dent. And then between Embiid and Giannis, if one of them are able to manage the top seed after everything that went, like the teams went through, like we had a lot of injury issues, COVID problems. A lot of teams had COVID problems, but, um, and then obviously, like I said, with, uh, he, who shall not be named, <coughs> uh, you know, a wall for more than half the season, um, you know, I think you're right that the seating is probably gonna be pretty critical. can you give me from the six from like an objective Sixers fan, somebody who watches Joel and beat a lot?
0: You're asking me to you're, it, it, you're asking me to do a lot, Riley.
1: I know, I know. But <laughs> just as
0: somebody who doesn't watch
1: a lot of Sixers games, could you explain to me um, and therefore to all the other people who I'll share this with? Sure. What it is about Joel Embiid this year that you think is either different from years previous or why it is this season he's more deserving than or like, you know, he's making a better case for himself than in the past.
0: I, I think the first thing obviously is health. Uh, the The best statistic is availability. I always forget how that's that exactly goes. right.
1: Yes. The the best ability is availability.
0: That's yeah. the one. So the, the fact that he's been pretty healthy the entirety of the season he's only missed like those little games for like health and load management stuff like that he hasn't had like that two week or month stretch where he was out number one number two he strengthens his case because he was kind of carrying the team in December and January and still kind of is he's still the main focal point of everything the Sixers want to do on offense and then on defense obviously he's going to do everything that he can there with his energy. I feel like Giannis has a little bit of an edge defensively. If, if MB won the MVP and Giannis won defensive player of the year again, like would that, that seems like an even trade off.
1: That's what I would say. If that was going to be all the different ones, that's a probably pretty good split between the two of them.
0: Now we get to the, the totality of the Eastern conference landscape. I'm looking at the standings. I'm looking at them right now. And there's some, There's some irregularities, some things that I didn't expect. There's some free. okay, so it's Miami, Milwaukee and Boston. One, two, three. As I record this podcast right now, Sixers are at four. Chicago's five. Toronto, six. Cleveland, seven. Brooklyn, eight. Charlotte, nine. Atlanta, ten.
1: Um, oh, you're forgetting Nick Knicks eleven. Come on, don't don't count the Knicks out just yeah. They... The
0: Knicks are five <laughs> games. The Knicks are five and a half games out, and Julius Randle yeah, right. is trying to trying to do a James Harden and force his way out. Of yeah, you're New right. York. Okay, sorry about that. Yeah. Um, right. between I, I guess the top, sure, because I, I I'm a little afraid of the Atlanta Hawks in in some capacity. Between those ten teams, like who do you believe in as a team that can come out of the East?
1: This is tough.
0: This is Because I'll tell you my, yeah, I'll tell for, it, me, for, for me, for, for me, that list is for me, that list is two teams. It's Milwaukee and it's Philly. I have not do not really believe in Miami. And the fact that Miami lost to the Sixers with no Joel and no Harden only solidified that fact for me. Mm-hmm. Yep. The Celtics, sure, they're playing great now. But what's going to happen when the same team has to face them? four times out of seven right and, and, and they don't
1: have robert williams out there and that's that's mb that's barbecue chicken out there that's shack level barbecue chicken for MB, i would assume i have no idea and Giannis. They have daniel tice out there and Giannis I mean, too that's daniel tice, losing, well, daniel know, tice is not saying, bodying anybody saying. in the eastern <laughs> conference <laughs> I'm just saying, I'm looking, I'm trying to think of big men on their roster and I think he is their main guy. So yes, that's, I mean, for either Embiid or Giannis, that's, that's, that would not be pretty for the Celtics. I don't think
0: Chicago, Chicago's fraudulent Toronto, Toronto, Toronto is maybe a piece away, I guess. So maybe They're they scary. Can't. I wouldn't want to play him because they'd be make a series
1: absolute hell. But I think you'd probably be able to prevail over them. But they they would be scary for sure. Maybe Toronto needs to trade for Kawhi again. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Good idea. C- Cleveland is the we're just happy to be here team. <laughs> yep, yeah, we've had more success than we expected. Just please let us win one game. That's the gentleman sweep team.
0: Uh, Brooklyn scares me a little bit. If. Uh, since you know Kyrie is back in like the full uh the, the, the full scope of playing both home and away games unless yeah. unless somehow they get like games against Toronto in which case Kyrie is ineligible. Um mm-hmm. Charlotte just go ahead and write them off they're a piece or two away. Atlanta like I can't count out Trey Young just because that's
1: personal. That's personal for you guys.
0: <laughs> I mean yeah yes that's that's more it's more PTSD like if the Sixers are somehow miraculously the one seed and Atlanta is the eight seed. I wouldn't want to see them. Um, but for me, it's Milwaukee and Philly. Those are the two teams that I'm like hundred percent. I believe in everything that these team teams are doing. There's too many questions about the rest of the field.
1: I would generally agree with you. So if I was to just run down the same list, so the heats, uh, obviously we clowned them last year. I saw in Bam out of bio. I saw the fear of God in his eyes uh, when we played them last year. And that for me, and i would assume for him is hard to shake that impression of a guy who's just not really ready for the moment uh, yeah. and jimmy butler's another year older and uh, pj tucker uh, you know big respects obviously key guy to our uh, rotation nothing but love for pj tucker nothing but love <laughs> but uh, you know i it, it would give me pleasure to send him home um the celtics have a degree that i think the robert williams thing if he if he was still around they are probably a more legitimate team but without him uh, it, I know that I think the news today was that he was going to try and come back in four weeks. I was like, OK, dude, take, just take it easy. Let it me seems like
0: a mistake. Speaking of somebody with like personal like injury skin in the game, somebody that has had a big man with a meniscus problem. Uh, yeah, that's not a four week injury <laughs> no. and you come back and you're clean and you're fine. Like, no, no, it's not how it works.
1: Not at all. Um, so good luck to them. The Bulls, I mean, you know, I would encourage your listeners to go back to the latest Brew Who podcast where we just made fun of the Bulls for like half an hour to forty-five minutes. It was good.
0: Aren't the Raptors Bulls still like, aren't the Bulls still winless against like the top four teams in the East? Yes, yeah. They're horrendous. Yeah, they're they're really for the, they're, fr- they're very fraudulent. Everybody Chicago, knew that too. The Chicago Bulls are officially Fugazi. Give them the stamp. Notarize it.
1: DeMar seems like a nice guy, but Bulls fans fell for the DeMar thing where yes, DeMar they has like a like a really excellent regular season and then it just tails off. The magic, it just goes away at some point. This has happened for years and years and they fell for it, but it's fine. Uh, and like we said, uh, Raptors, scary, you know, I bet they could get hot, but they just have like eight dudes who are the exact same size who are like wings and they play really good defense. The only other ones out of this list here would be the Nets, obviously, I, for both our teams, again, I would say do you want to kinda... see the
0: Nets. Do you want to see Brooklyn oh, in round course, one? Yes, you really do. Okay, I
1: right. I want to climb Mount All... Olympus. They look how okay. many times you have to teach these <laughs> these men these lessons. We have to teach them again, apparently. The thing, wow! so the thing, Holy the thing shit. I would be confident about with them is
0: Riley um, out here throwing darts right now. I know,
1: <laughs> I'm assuming Jeez. there's not a lot of Nets fans that <laughs> <Jesus>. listen, <so.
0: laughs>
1: but but think about it, right? So for them. Who's their big man extraordinaire right now? Nick Claxton? No, this, Andre Drummond. Oh, come on. Really? He's, okay.
0: he's, a, he's a body. Listen, I know. Sorry. Those, yeah, I forgot. Sixers listen, Legends, Andre those, those that first like four or five months of Andre Drummond that we had, they were they, in my in my <laughs> humble opinion, less. they were magical. There, <laughs> some of those things that he did put him in the Louvre. Like, I'm serious. Did he
1: have, did he have really crazy rebound numbers for
0: you guys? Like he always does. Like he always does. And then he did these ridiculous, like through the leg passes. And I'm like, Andre, what are you doing? But I'm glad (laughs) it worked out because it looked cool (laughs) as hell.
1: Um, Okay. So even if that's the case though, I mean, he's, he's rebounding guy, obviously, but still like a limited player in terms of what he can do on both ends. I would feel pretty confident and I've seen what the KD storm looks like. We looked into the eye of death and we survived it. And don't get me wrong, it was a close run thing. Yeah. But I would just feel confident. And of all the coaches involved with all these teams, Steve Nash seems just like a really poor coach. Uh, I don't know what he's doing. He doesn't call anything. If you watch any Nets games, uh the offense is as my turn, your turn, my turn, your turn as any in the league. And everybody, it's it's really bad. Like there's he just does no seem creativity way over his head. Yeah. And that's fine. That would have been fine. Had their experiment with those two guys and Harden like gone according to plan. And they could have just let those guys do whatever they want. Right. But because it didn't, it's like, okay, well you have to like, actually coach some of these bench guys. It just, okay. you know, and then Joe Harris is obviously out for the season. There's just, I think there's too much there. There's a reason why they've been sitting so low uh, in the standings, not only just the Kyrie thing, but I would just be, it's it would be the one weird case of an eight seed, like having the chance to really knock off the top seed uh, in the east. But I, I would feel pretty comfortable if we went up against the Nets. Yeah. It, of course, that's like famous last words. But
0: if it's Brooklyn, Miami in round one, I, I'm OK with Miami. <sighs> Uh, and Brooklyn duking it out to see. Uh, can we
1: see? If, can we see if two teams can eliminate each other? And <laughs> let's just <laughs> let's just el- eliminate them both, and let's skip to the Bucks uh, Sixers Eastern Conference Finals, please.
0: Uh, well, in, in order for that to happen, uh, I, I'm perfectly okay with it. By the way, if the Sixers slid down and just kind of stayed at like four, because that way they get Chicago in round one. It's going to be
1: my, yeah, my other question is, do you have like a particular, do you want them to try and win out? Because you guys are still in the mix for the top. So here's the question. Would you rather the four seed or would you rather one seed and you get guaranteed home card and just hope you don't get like the Nets in the first round? You'd rather Uh, Chicago, do you
0: think? I think I would rather have Chicago because like, for example, if it's Philly Chicago in round one is the four or five match out, the Sixers get either Miami or Brooklyn in round two. And I'm pretty yeah. confident against Miami or Brooklyn in that series. And Especially then also if they beat
1: each other up in the first round too.
0: Exactly. If that goes six or seven, then that bodes well for the Sixers, who will probably take out the Bulls in four or five. <laughs> yeah, easy, easy work. And and then it sets up the bracket because then that means that Milwaukee is either two or three, and then we get the Sixers-Bucks Eastern Conference Finals matchup we've been dreaming about for six
1: years. <laughs> I really do think. I mean, in terms of marquee, what what like the league always needs is like they need some like. A story to tell. Right. And with these two franchises, there's like both distant past, recent past. Uh, the whole (laughs) what was it? Uh our our owner, Wes Eden saying, uh, the guys in Philly say trust the process, we say trust the results. That turns into like a big meme. You know, uh obviously the Giannis Embiid like who's the dominant big man? Like, there's just there's so many different intertwining things between the two franchises that Like we said, at the very top of the podcast, fitting that we're closing with it, I think it would be excellent if those two teams, it would would be probably the most infuriating series for me, just because it would just be hard to watch like
0: so much of my, I get to sit there and watch Giannis go, go off for like 35 in the whole series. (laughs) And I'm like, Jesus.
1: Yeah. He's see if he can go for another 50. It it would be, uh, I think the stars would come out. It'd be a heck of a series to watch it. Like the physicality would be up. Obviously the crowds, both home crowds, great home crowds, like everything about it is exactly what you want in NBA playoff basketball. So I do, I do hope of all the matchups that we get that one. Finally. And real quick, last thing, who do you like in the West? Man, that's a good question. I think I'm somewhat partial to the Suns. This is obviously a super radical take the Suns Uh, just too good. The Grizzlies are an interesting team just because I see so much of what the Bucks and Mike Boonehos are do stylistically in the way that they play. Obviously they changed it up a little bit with John Morant and like Steven Adams and the other guys, but uh, I don't, like Dallas, Jason Kidd's an idiot. So they're not <laughs> going to come out of anything. <laughs> Utah jazz were reaching like, you know, this is however many iteration of the jazz, like everybody from maybe the the Warriors would be the other one, obviously with clay, Steph and Draymond and everybody else. But if I was to pick probably Phoenix, but I wouldn't be surprised if any of the top three came out, everybody else after that. I think that would be uh, maybe the Clippers. If Kawhi and, Kawhi comes back or whatever but everybody else in the conference i'm a little skeptical I, whether they'll have it to get out of the conference
0: i i like i like minnesota like not to win the west or anything like that but i do like the fact i do like what minnesota has been doing like i thought that franchise was going to be like a lost cause and they're trading oh yeah towns I, I, away actually, and everything. I live
1: in the twin cities so i'm a i'm local to the market and it's they've been the way they were able to revive the franchise, I think the work that Anthony Edwards, he's a <laughs> dude's a quote a minute and uh, yeah. the way changes he's made brought these past two years, like culturally. And then obviously Pat Bev, um, they, they've definitely been a lot more fun to watch this season than previous. I, I don't think they'll have enough juice to get there this year, but uh, for sure the team on the rise, we'll see where they go with that. But I don't think they're, like I said, anyone past golden state, I'm not sure if they have the juice to go all the way.
0: Uh here's here's my hot take and I'm saying it right now. Memphis. I like Memphis coming out of the West. I really do. I like what John Morant does. I like the depth. I like the attitude that team runs with. They're very much like they're very much run and gun, and we're just gonna cardio you out of the gym, and not every team can handle that. Like that's it's it's a style and pace of play that not every team can match. And that's kind of why I like the Grizzlies to come out of the West, just because they're 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 a little bit more unique than the other teams in the West.
1: Yeah, dude, it's like watching the Harlem Globetrotters. Yes, when you turn them on, like they're I've talked about this in our last podcast. They have this like cycle system. So the whole idea is just like whoever gets the rebound, everybody just dead sprints, and everybody like, just <laughs> and, run, everybody and that's why he, that's why it seems like every single night is like, Oh, check out this highlight where John Moran throws it between his legs, to Steven Adams, who like launches it off the floor into <laughs> Anthony Melton's hands. Like it's seriously, that's the reason why they get so many highlight. They, and the other thing is they don't wait for threes. They're like, look, we're just going to attack the basket. Like no trailing threes in transition, just everybody go for it. And they have all those wings who can play good defense, have a little bit of skill. Like you're right. That all they need is like a couple of those guys to hit. And I would, yeah, I think Stephen Adams would have the ability, like the way he's played on both ends, to throw off like a DeAndre Ayton. Mm-hmm. I don't know what Chris Paul's status. is. So I, that's not a hot take, but not the hottest of hot takes.
0: Uh, I, I, I do what I can, you know. I can the, only I can only singe myself so much before I have to do that. And they're and they're really fun. Like you know, come on,
1: what what NBA fan can't root for Memphis, Tennessee? Like they were always fun, in like the Mike Conley. Uh, uh, Marcus the, the, all day the grit the, and grind days. Grit and, oh, grind. and they've, they've been like a cinderella Zebo days for, i was here yeah. for that everybody loves memphis so i think everybody could get behind memphis coming out of the west so if that happened uh, i think that would be well deserved it would be a lot of fun too
0: memphis sixers nba finals that'll be fun uh, now, okay. I'm just, Mem- I'm just, memphis, now i'm just now memphis i'm, just, books I'm <laughs> just messing with you <laughs> riley always fun talking to you always nice to hear what uh People are saying on the other side of uh, of our rivalries, our uh, our games, and uh, yeah, it's always fun talking to you. And hopefully, we'll be able to. It's just that Kyle the, couldn't be on the show this time. But that's all right. I'm, thi-
1: we'll, I'm thinking if we face up in the playoffs, we'll be able to do plenty of appearances, and we'll have to do the neighborly thing, the Midwestern thing, and have you back on over on our podcast as well to return the favor. So I'm hoping the series. That's dope. I'm in. And
0: talk again. Yeah, I'm talk down again in the
1: near future.
0: Exactly. Uh, where can everybody uh, read all of your work, listen to all your stuff on uh, social media, give out your This is your time. This is your time to plug. You go ahead. This is the plug plug This is the Uh, the allotted plug moment. Yeah. So if I was a good trooper, I'd plug all the site stuff.
1: But uh, (laughs) you can find me. (laughs) You can find me personally, mostly on Twitter, at Riley Feldman. That's Feldman with two N's. Uh, If you look up Brew Hoop, you'll find us. Um, I have my weekly column every Monday over there on Brew Hoop. Uh, Obviously, contribute occasional pieces where we'll do some more in-depth stuff over there. Uh, I write my own personal blog, which is just my name.com, uh, which is it's really uh egotistical. But if you have any it's interest in non stuff, that's exactly right. Um and then yeah, you can find the Brew podcast. Uh it's a Bucks podcast, but um I swear it's it's somewhat accessible to like a general fan. So if you just yeah. if you have interest in checking in, seeing what's up with the bucks, uh Every Sunday usually uploads um and we have a good time with it. It's me, Kyle, our good friend Adam as well. It's a, it's we enjoy it a lot and we would love to have you there as well. So you can come and hang out with us sometime.
0: All always down, always down on a Sunday. Cause I I I'm not a church going man, so it's like my Sundays are free. I got nothing going on right well, now. We're, just...
1: we're ready to sermonize for you on
0: the there's no, yeah, right. There's, like... no... <laughs> <laughs> there's there's no church, there's no football, it's just like I got nothing to do on my Sundays right now. <laughs> Like I'm taking, we'll I, have moment, yeah. I'm ha- yeah. I have openings. I'm I have openings, unless unless there's like a nice brunch happening going on here in Philly, or that noon those noon tip-off matinee games that all nope. teams dread because everybody God. plays just horrendous basketball. That's God. a universal thing too.
1: Uh,
0: always fun talking to you, Riley. I'll talk to you soon, my friend. Um, I, I don't want to be I don't want to be that guy. So I'll say good luck to the Bucks. Like, I don't want to be that vindictive because, you know what? The basketball guys will not like that. I mean, that's the we'll last say, thing I need.
1: Yeah, we'll say good luck to the Sixers unless, <laughs> and of course, we see you in the playoffs, in which case I hope failure for you. And I, <laughs> I know that feeling mutual, but it's out of respect. It's out of respect.
0: Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, pain should saint of big men. Pray for us. Uh, always good talking to you, Riley. I'll talk to you soon.